This week's CD is going to be on Parshas Shmas, and we are going to start with chapter 2, verse number 11. There it's discussing Moshe Rabbeinu, and it says, And it was in those days, Moshe Rabbeinu grew up, and he went out to his brethren, and he observed their burdens, Vayar, and there he saw Ish Mitzri, a man, an Egyptian. Maka is hitting Ish Ivri, a Jewish man, Me'echov, from his brothers. Vayifen, Koi Vekoi, and he turned here and there. Vayar, Ki Einish, and he saw that there is no man. Vayach, as a Mitzri, he hit the Mitzri. Vayitmeneu Bechol, and he hit them in the sand. And then the verse continues that and he went out the second day. Two men, Jewish, meaning two Jewish men, Nitzim, are fighting. And he tells the evil one, Why are you hitting your friend? He answered, Who made you as a Master and judge over us, are you saying to kill us, like you killed the Egyptian? Moshe became afraid. says, indeed, the matter is known. We are going to analyze this psukim and make many questions, and not all the answers are going to answer all the questions. First, we have a problem with the first pasuk that says that Vayar Ish Mitzri Make Ish Ivri Mechav that Ish Mitzri which normally Ish means a person of standing is hitting a Ish Ivri a Jewish person Mechav from his brothers and technically normally when it says the word Ish means a person that is important a person that has value and then it continues and says Vayifen Koi Vekoi Vayar ki enish, then he turned here and there, and he saw that there is no ish, there is no man. Vayach es mitzri, and he hit the mitzri. It doesn't say vayach ish mitzri, and he killed the man, the mitzri. It says a mitzri. Then the question is why originally it says vayar ish mitzri, make ish ivri me'echov. He could have just said vayar mitzri, make ivri me'echov. He found the words ish. And then, if you write the word Ish, why don't you write the word Ish when Moshe Rabbeinu hits the Mitzri? The Alshech explains that originally Moshe Rabbeinu probably thought that this Egyptian man is important in the same way that this Jewish man is important. But when Vaifen Koi Vekoi, when he turned here and there, then he realized that this Egyptian man is not important because he doesn't deserve the title Ish, meaning Vayar, he saw really he ain't Ish, that he doesn't deserve the title Ish. Therefore, Vayach as a Mitzri, and he hit the Mitzri, Vaitmeneu Bechal. We're going to explain soon what it means that he didn't see that there is a Ish. The other question that we are going to ask, it is written, Vayar Ish Mitzri, Make Ish Ivri, is hitting a Jewish man, Me'echov, from his brothers. And the question is that the word Me'echov is superfluous. The verse could have just written down 
that he saw a Mitzri hitting a Ivri. What does it mean, Me'echov, from his brothers? So the Rachaim HaKodesh writes, very interesting, the Rachaim HaKodesh writes down, Dikdak Loimar Me'echov is specifically saying that he was hitting a Jewish man, Me'echov, from his brothers, Yilmoz boy, that is giving an allusion, Kehibit boy, that he saw that this person being hit, Shehoyu Me'hat Tzadikim Be'Yisrael, that it was from the righteous people that were amongst the Jewish people. Because even then, there were evil people amongst the Jewish people. Therefore, the Torah wants to emphasize that this person being hit was a righteous person, and he wasn't a person deserving to be hit. Therefore, it's saying that it was Me'echov from his brothers, meaning from the brothers of Moshe Rabbeinu, which were actually righteous. This Orachaim, we must say, follows the opinion of the Pirkei de Rabelezer in Perek Mem Zayn. The Pirkei de Rabelezer, Perek Mem Zayn, writes down that he went out and he saw Make es echot mi kehosi halavim, that he saw that he is hitting one of the children of Kehos, we were the Levim, Shehem me'echot, which are actually from the brothers of Moshe Rabbeinu, meaning from the family of Moshe Rabbeinu, from the close family of Moshe Rabbeinu. He saw the Egyptian hitting this man. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu decided that he's going to kill him. And the Pekah says that Moshe Rabbeinu cursed the Egyptian, and through that the Egyptian died. And then the Tomnoi betocha machna, and he hit him in the encampment amongst the Jewish people, which the Jewish people are exemplified as chol, as sand, meaning he hid them in the sand, shanemar, because it's written in the verse, vayom mispar b'nei Yisrael, that the numbers of the children of Israel are going to be kechoil ayom, like the sand of the sea. Meaning that since Rachaim HaKudosh writes down that the person that was hit was a righteous person, therefore you must say that Rachaim HaKudosh believed like the Pekid Rebelezer, that when he says it was Me'echov, who was from his close brothers from the Levim, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Egyptian. The Medesh Rabbi in Parshas Shmos, Parsha Aleph, brings down that it's written, Vayar Ish Misri, and he saw an Egyptian man, and before that's written, Vayar Besiv Loisov, and he saw their burdens. So the Medesh asks, Mara, what did he see? The Medesh continues and says that Ravuna says, Nevra Kapora, that for four reasons the Jewish people came out of Egypt. One, they didn't change their Jewish name. Second, they didn't change their Jewish language. Third, they didn't speak Lashon Hara. And fourth, they didn't do any acts of immorality while they were in Egypt. The Medrash asks, how do I know that they didn't do any immorality? The Medrash answers that there was one person that was immoral, and the Torah discloses, as it's written in Vaikra. Chapter 24, Vesham Imo, in the name of the mother of the cursor who had relations with an Egyptian, was Shloimit Bazdivri. So the marriage continued. Amru Razal, the rabbis say, the officers were from the Egyptians and the policemen were from the Jewish people. One officer of the Egyptian was in charge of 10 policemen and one policeman was in charge of 10 Jewish persons. And the officers used to go to the house of the Jewish policemen early morning in order to take them out before dawn.
One time this Egyptian officer went to this Jewish policeman and he saw the wife of the policeman that she is very beautiful and he decided that he's going to have her. So the next day he woke up the policeman to go to work. He took the policeman's place. The wife thought that this is the husband that is having relations with her and she had relations with the Egyptian and she became pregnant. It so happens that the policeman happened to come back home and he saw the Egyptian officer leaving the house. Then he asked his wife, did he have relations with you? And she said that he did, but I thought it was you. Then the Egyptian officer realized that the Jewish policeman understands that he had relations with her. Therefore, the Egyptian officer took the Jewish policeman to the field to do hard labor, even though that was not the job of the Jewish policeman, and he was hitting him in order to kill him. The message says that Moshe Rabbeinu saw him, and he saw in Ruha Kodesh what he did in the house, and he saw what he wants to do in the field, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu decided that this person is definitely guilty of death, as it's written in Vaikra chapter 24, Umake Adam Yimos, if somebody is hitting a man, he's liable for death, and then the marriage continues and says, and not only that is the reason why he's liable for death, but he had relations with the wife of Dawson, therefore he's liable for death, because written also in Vaikro chapter 20, that the person who commits adultery, both the man and the woman should die, and therefore it's written, that he turned here and there, he saw what was done to him in the house, and he saw what was done to him in the field, and therefore he killed the Egyptian. But nonetheless, from this madrash, we see that the person that the Egyptian was hitting was Dawson. Because the madrash says that not only is he liable for death for hitting another person, he is also liable for death at Sheba Alishtoi Shal Dawson. They had their relations with the wife of Dawson. And by the way, the Chidusha Marzav, which is Rabzev Wolf Einhorn, which is on the Medrash Rabbe, he explains that I know that he's Dawson, because since afterwards it's written that he saw two people fighting, and the Gemorian Nadorim, Dav Samach Dalat Amit Bey 64b, writes down that every time he says Nitzim fighting or Nitzavim was standing up, it is Dawson Vaviram. And since here it says that there was no person when he killed the Egyptian, then the question is, how does Dawson Vaviram know that he killed the Egyptian? Therefore, it must be that one of the people that was involved in the killing of the Egyptian was Dawson. And therefore, the matter says that it was the wife of Dawson. Then the question that we have is that if that is Dawson, and we know Dawson is an evil person, then what is the meaning of the verse that Moshe Rabbeinu saw Ish Mitzri, Make Ish Ivri, Me'echov, that an Egyptian man is hitting a Jewish man, Me'echov, from his brothers? Clearly, it is not like they are from his brothers, because since Dawson doesn't behave nicely, then technically he's not his brother. It would have been easy to say, Vayar Ish Mitzri, Make Ish Ivri, that he saw a Jewish man, hitting a Hebrew man, and doesn't have to write down Me'echa from his brothers, because I know is Me'echa from his brothers. 
because we know previously it says Vayetze Elechov, he went to his brothers to see their burdens, then clearly here when he saw an Egyptian man hitting a Hebrew man, we know that it is from his brothers. Looking at this Madrash and looking at the effort the Madrash puts to explain how the officers and the policemen work, we could understand why it's written here, Vayar Ish Mitzri, Make Ish Ivri Me'echov, that the Egyptian man hit the Hebrew man, and we asked the question previously, why it's written the word Ish, but through this message, the message explains that this Egyptian was an officer, and this Jewish man was a policeman, that means that they had a power position, and therefore it's written, Ish Mitzri is hitting a Ish Ivri, not just a Ivri, a regular Jew, which is doing the work, is hitting an officer. And then we understand why it's written the word Ish. And we also understand, if we say that Moshe Rabbeinu saw an Egyptian hitting a Jewish policeman, we understand why was he surprised, because it was normal to see the Jewish people being beaten by the Egyptians. But here Moshe Rabbeinu saw there is something odd about the situation, therefore Moshe Rabbeinu decided to look into the situation, and he saw by Ruach HaKodesh, by Divine Prophecy, what was happening. But going back to our question, why is it written Me'echov from his brethren, if we know that clearly Dawson did not act in the same way as Moshe Rabbeinu? The Satmar Rebbe, the Divra Yoel, wants to answer this, but by first introducing the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daf Kuftas Amad Beis 109b. There the Gemara is analyzing the names of Dawson Bavira. The Gemara there says, Dawson, it means She'ovar al das keel, that Dawson transgressed the law of Hashem. Das is law, so Dawson transgressed the law of Hashem. And Aviram, the Gemara says, it means She'iber atzmoi me'asois tshuva, that he fortified himself, strengthened himself against doing tshuva, against repentance, because Aviram is from the word abir, strong. And the Marsha there explains that since Dawson is the one that hit Aviram, then he was called evil by Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was an evil person. And Aviram, since he got the smacks of Dawson, he should have at least repented, and not becoming a party together with Dawson, since Dawson is the one hitting him. Nonetheless, he strengthened himself against repenting, and he joined Dawson in his evil doings. And the Divrei Royal asks, why couldn't they say by Aviram that he strengthened himself against Hashem, to go against Hashem? Why do they have to say that he strengthened himself from doing tshuva? Furthermore, he notes that in Tehillim, chapter 106, verse number 17, when he's discussing the story of Korach, there David HaMelech says, Tiftach Eretz, that the earth opened up, but Tivla Dawson, and it swallowed Dasan, Vathas, and covered up Allah Das Aviram over the company of Aviram. And he asks, why doesn't David Amelech put them both together? Why doesn't he say, Tiftach Eretz, Vativla, Dasan, Vaviram, that the earth opened up and swallowed Dasan and Aviram, or Tiftach Eretz, Vativla, Vathas, Dasan, Vaviram, the earth opened up and swallowed, and it covered up Dawson and Aviram. Why in regards to Dawson is written Vativla, Dawson, that is swallowed up Dawson, in regards to Aviram it's written 
that it covered up the Adas Aviram, the company of Aviram. And the Divra Yoel goes back to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Davkuftes, Omed Beis 109b, where there the Gemara continues to analyze the second Pasuk on Pasha's Korach in Bamidbar chapter 16, verse number 2, where there originally on the Pasuk it's listed not only Dosam Aviram, but is also listed Oimben Peles as taking part of the rebellion of Korach against Moshe Rabbeinu, and the Gemara says, Oin, he's called Oin Sheyasha Baninus, because he was sitting in mourning, meaning afterwards when he realized what he did, he was always in mourning for what happened, and Ben Peles, the Gemara says, Shenaseloi Plois, that miracles happened to him. The Gemara continues and says, Omar Rav, Rav says, Oin Ben Peles, Ishto Yitzhilasoi, that Oin Ben Peles was saved by his wife. Meaning, when Oin Ben Peles came and told her that he's joining the rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu, she told him, why are you getting involved? If Korach wins, you are second fiddle, and if Moshe Rabbeinu wins, you are second fiddle. You aren't going to gain anything by it. Then why are you getting involved? So Oin Ben Peles says, what can I do? I already swore to them that I will take part of the rebellion. Oin Ben Peles' wife says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. She gave him to drink. He fell asleep. When it came time that they have to wake him up to join the rebellion, she sat at the door of their house and she uncovered the hair because she says that since it's written the verse by Midbar chapter 16, verse number 3, that we are all holy people, then obviously if they are so holy, they won't come into a house where a woman has her hair uncovered, and since they saw that she's sitting in the front of the house, they bypassed Omen Palace, and they got swallowed up, and Omen Palace got saved by a miracle via his wife. The Divre Yoel says that from here we see that even though Dosan Vaviram were totally corrupted, nonetheless they wanted to give the appearance that they were righteous, and they would not go into a house where a woman uncovers her hair. And since the Madrash writes down, that there was one woman who committed immorality in the Egyptians, and the Torah made it known, and this is Shlomis Basdivri. That means that everybody knew now that in the house of Shlomis Basdivri grew up this evil person, this Egyptian, and everybody knew now that she is the one that committed immorality, even though it was not done on purpose, and everybody also knew that she is the wife of Dasan, that means that the Jewish people would distance themselves from Dasan's family because of what happened to his wife, and they saw how his child behaved, and we know that the Gemara in Sukkah, Daf Nun Vav, Omed Beis 56b, writes down, based on what's written in the Mishnah, in Vav, Omed Aleph, Sukkah 56a, where there the Mishnah says, that in the Besamikdash there was a rotation of watches, meaning every week a different group served, and he says that the coming in group takes seven of the showbreads, and the shift that leaves takes five of the showbread, and again, the shift that comes in divides the showbread in the north side of the courtyard of the Besamikdash, and the shift that leaves meaning that finished working, they divide the showbread in the south part of the courtyard. But Bilga, Bilga, the shift of Bilga, 
always divides in the south side, even though normally the incoming shift divides in the north side, Bilga always divides in the south side, and always the Tabato Kavua, its ring was permanently affixed, meaning that normally the ring to hold the animal's head was in an open position, but Bilga's was always in a closed position, which means that they could not use those rings. The Satuma and his alcove were always closed, meaning the sanctuary had alcoves where the Kahanim would deposit their knives. Each watch has his own alcove, but Bilga's alcove was always closed. The Gemara wants to know what did Bilga do that caused his alcove to be closed. The Gemara says that Tanur and the rabbis learned, Masa be Miriam bas Bilga, there was a story if Miriam, a daughter of Bilga, Shemiro Dato, she became an apostate, and she went ahead and married an officer of the Greek kings. And when the Greeks came into the temple, she was kicking with her sandals on top of the Mizbeach. And she said, Lucus, Lucus, wolf, wolf, until when are you going to consume, are you going to destroy the money of the Jewish people? And yet you do not stand by them in time in great pressing need. Meaning that she was speaking disparagingly against Hashem and because of that they punished the whole shift. The Gemara asks a question because of what somebody does in the shift, meaning a daughter of Bilga did, that is enough to punish the whole shift? The Gemara answers, Omar Abaya Abaya says, and yes, the like people have a saying, Shuta de Nuka Beshuka, the utterance of a child in the street, in public, Oi Davua, Oi Dima, either he heard it from his father or heard it from their mother. Meaning that if you see a child speaking bad words, then we know he learned it from somewhere, so it must be from the father and mother. And therefore, even though a daughter of Bilga is the one who spoke those words, but she probably heard it from her father or mother, therefore we punish the whole shift of Bilga. Therefore, the Divrayoyal says that since, in our case, out of the house of Dawson came out this cursor, and this cursor obviously spoke disparagingly words against Hashem, then everybody saw that he probably was in a house that they spoke badly against Hashem. Therefore, Dawson was evil by himself, but he had no power to gather more people to his cause. He had no power to influence other people. Whereas Aviram, since Aviram didn't have this problem, Aviram was able to show himself outwardly as he's a holy man, as we see from the story of Oimben Palace. Therefore, Aviram was able to attract a following. He was able to attract a group of people that joined them. According to this, the Divayor says, now you understand that verse in Tilam. The verse in Tilam says, Tiftach Oretz Vativla Dosson, that the earth opened up and swallowed up Dosson, that by swallowing up Dosson, that already took care of the whole problem because Dosson was evil only by himself. He was not evil with others. Only himself was evil because he wasn't able to influence anybody else. Therefore, it was enough to finish off with Dawson by him dying. But 
in regards to Aviram, since Aviram influenced other people, and he had a congregation, he had a following, therefore it's written, Vathas al Adas Aviram, but it covered up the whole Adas Aviram, the whole congregation of Aviram, the following of Aviram. There it was not enough that the earth swallowed them. Hashem had to make sure that their idea of rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu was completely covered up. Therefore it's written, Vathas al Adas Aviram, Hashem covered up over the Adas, over the congregation, over the ideas of Aviram. Because Aviram was able to influence other people. Dawson couldn't influence anybody else, meaning anybody who saw Dawson knew that he's evil and therefore would not associate with him. Whereas Aviram, even though people may see that he's being swallowed up, nonetheless his ideas may follow. So therefore there is written Vathas al-Adas Aviram covered up over Adas Aviram, over the congregation of Aviram, over the ideas of Aviram. Therefore, the Devira says it's written in different language regarding to Dawson and Aviram. And according to this, he explains, now we understand the Gemara. The Gemara says Dawson is called Dawson, She'ovar al-Das Hashem, that he transgressed over the laws of Hashem, meaning the evil that he did was only to himself, and he transgressed the laws of Hashem. But Aviram, there it's different, because we have a rule that if somebody is somebody who sins, and causes others to sin, then we do not allow him to do tshuva, we do not allow him to repent. Because true that you could repent on your own sins, but you can't repent on sins of others. The only way your tshuva is completely accepted is if everybody you influence to sin, if they repent, then you are able to complete your process of tshuva. Because if they do not repent and you are the one who caused them to sin, then your bad deeds keep going on and therefore you keep being punished by it. So therefore, tshuva repentance does not help. And that's why Baviram says, that he strengthened himself from doing tshuva because since he was able to influence other people, other people sinned because of him. And since when other people sinned because of him, they don't let you do tshuva because that's one of the 24 things that hold back repentance because you cannot repent until they repent. Therefore, there it's written that Aviram is that he strengthened himself from doing tshuva. And therefore, the Gemara doesn't say Aviram that he strengthened himself against Hashem. The Divriyol continues and says, according to this, we see that Dawson was an evil person. Therefore, he says that when it's written here in the verse, Vayar ish Mitzri, Make ish Ivri Mechov, that he saw a man Egyptian hitting a man, a Jew, from his brothers, it is not referring to the brothers of Moshe Rabbeinu, it is referring to a brother to the Egyptian, meaning in the same way that the Egyptian was evil, so this Jewish person was evil. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu is seeing an interesting thing, he's seeing an evil person hitting another evil person, but an Egyptian hitting a Jew. And Me'echov is not from his brethren, from the Jewish brethren. Me'echov is he's a brother to the Egyptian, meaning he's acting like it, he's acting like the Egyptian which was evil, so too the Jewish person that was being hit was also evil. And that surprised Moshe Rabbeinu. Therefore he says, Va'ifen koi ve'koi, he turned here and there, meaning he saw what the Egyptian man is doing. He saw the way that the Jewish man is behaving. 
Therefore, he decided, Vayar Kenish, he realized that what he thought before that was a Ish Mitzri, a man a Mitzri, and then a Ish Ivri, a man a Ivri, he realized he ain't Ish, that there is no man there, that they both worth nothing, and they both technically are deserved of dying. Therefore, what did he do? Vayach as a Mitzri. The first thing he did was kill the Mitzri. But in the future, Vayat Mineu Bechal, the Jewish man which was evil, eventually is going to hide that man, Bachol, in the sand. Meaning, Dawson eventually is going to be swallowed up by the earth. The sand is going to cover up. So therefore the verse is saying here, what is going to happen in the future? That he saw that there is no man. So right away he killed the Egyptian for what the Egyptian did. Either because the Egyptian committed adultery or because he was trying to kill Dawson. But the Jewish person, eventually, he's going to hide them in the sand, which is going to be when the rebellion of Korach, where the sand is going to swallow up Dawson. So that's going to be eventually his end. There's an interesting Medrash Peliyah, which the Medrash Peliyah is brought down by the Medrash Rabbah. He says, Omar Yaakov the Reuven. Yaakov says to Reuven, Ani eni mekarvecha veeni merachekecha. I am not bringing you closer, and I am not distancing you. Ad sheba Moshe, until Moshe Benu came, the Omar said, Yechi Reuven veloyamus, let Reuven live and not die. And this is called a Madrash Paliyah, because it is a perplexing Madrash, because we don't know what is going on in this Madrash. The Parashas Drachim brings an interesting shot in regards to this Madrash. He brings this idea that we discussed in my Shurim many times, that there is a doubt before the Torah was given if the Jewish people had the law of a Ben Noach, of a Noachite, meaning that they are basically a Noachite, but if they want to keep the stringencies of Israel, you can. But if being Israel comes out to a leniency, then they are not allowed to do it because they are still a Ben Noach. Or I say that before the Torah was given, they are considered Bnei Israel for all the leniencies and all the stringencies. And we mentioned in previously Shurim that this was actually the Machloikas between the brothers of Yosef and Yosef. That Yosef, according to certain opinions, held that he is a Ben Noach, and the brothers held that they are Israel. And we also mentioned that each one had their own self-interest in mind, meaning that they saw the love that Yosef is getting from their father, then they thought that if they have the law of Israel, then comes out that Yosef is a child of the illegal wife. He is technically a mamzer, he can never be a king of Israel, because since Leah was the first wife of Yaakov, and then he married Rachel, then Rachel is the sister of the wife, which is illegal according to the Torah. Therefore, if they have the law of Israel, they are making Yosef not to be a legitimate son. But if they have the law of Aben Noach, then Yosef is a legitimate son. Another difference between being a Ben Noach and an Israelite is in regards to having a relationship if a concubine of the father. Meaning, according to Jewish law and according to Gentile law, you're not allowed to have relations with the wife of the father. But the definition of wife is different between the Jewish law and the Gentile law. According to Jewish law, in order to be a wife, you're required to have Kedushin, you're required to have 
an act of acquisition and that is how you become a wife. You're required to have a ketubah, a marital contractual obligations of the husband to the wife. And according to Gentile law, the fact that you decide to live together as husband and wife, that automatically causes the woman to become the wife of the husband. Meaning, even though they don't have any documentation, any kedushin, the fact that they decide to live together that in itself is considered really that the woman is the husband's wife. According to this, since the definition of a concubine is a woman who is married without a kedushin, without ketubah, but she decides to live with the father always, then by Jewish law, since there is no kedushin ketubah, this is not considered the father's wife. And by Gentile law, since they decide to live together, it is considered the father's wife. Therefore, says the Parashas Drachim, it's written in Parshas Vayishlach, in Bereshis chapter 35, verse number 22, It was when Israel, when Yaakov was in that land, meaning in the land of Israel, Vayelech Reuven, Reuven went, Vayishkav as Bilo, he had relations with Bilo, Pilegesh Oviv, the concubine of the father, by Ishma Israel and Yaakov heard, and there is no reaction there from Yaakov. Therefore, says the Prashas Rahim, that Yaakov himself was in doubt if after Avram Avinu had the circumcision, if they have the law of Aben Noah or the law of Israel. Because if they have the law of Aben Noah, then Reuven did something wrong as we mentioned previously, but if we have the law of Israel, then technically Reuven didn't do anything halachically wrong. True, he did wrong because he infringed in the father's kibud avam, honoring his father and mother, but on that Yaakov says, I am moichel you, I'm not going to punish you, but in regards of you having relations with Bila, on that regards I am not sure what the law is, and therefore, I am not going to distance you. I'm not makarim you. I'm not bringing you closer. I'll wait until Moish Rabbeinu come and he will decide on this case. And the Parashas Drachim says that Moish Rabbeinu, by hitting the Egyptian, decided that we have the law of Israel. Because the law is that if a Gentile hits a Gentile, he is not liable for death. But if a Gentile hits an Israelite, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dafnun Ches, Ahmed Beis, 58b, writes down that Ben Noach, Shikha Israel, that if a Ben Noach hits a Jewish man, Chayef Misa, is liable for death. And here, Moshe Rabbeinu saw the Egyptian hitting the Israelite, the Jewish person, and Moshe Rabbeinu decided that he should die. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu decided that they have the law of an Israelite, because if they have the law of a Noachite, they is not liable for death. Therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu made the decision that he has the law of Israelite, then comes out retroactively, Reuven did not sin with Bila. Therefore, it says, Yehi Reuven, Val Reuven should live and not die. And that is how the Parashas Drachem interprets this Madrish Peliyah. Interesting that here in this Parsha we have a Ponim Yafois, where the Ponim Yafois also wants to answer why Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Egyptian based on the idea if he's a Ben Noach or Israel, but 
the Ponim Yafa says that from our case we cannot draw a conclusion if the Jewish people are Ben Noach or Israelite because either case we could give an answer of why Moshe Rabbeinu killed the Egyptian. And the Ponim Yafas brings an introduction that when it says that the Egyptian had relations with Dawson's wife, we don't really know if this is Dawson's wife according to Jewish law or it's Dawson's wife according to Gentile law. Meaning, we don't know if Dawson actually gave Kedushin and Ketubah to his wife or they just decided to live together. And he assumes that we could say that he just decided to live together. And he explains in the following way, that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't sure if they have the law of a Jew or the law of a Gentile. If they have the law of a Jew, then the mere fact that the Egyptian hit the Jewish man, automatically that is liable for death, then Moshe Rabbeinu had a very valid reason why he killed the Egyptian. But Moshe Rabbeinu cannot punish the Egyptian for having relations with Dawson's wife, because could be that since he didn't give a Kedushan Ketubah, it's not his wife according to the Jewish law. Therefore, the Egyptian having relations with the concubine of Dawson, it's not prohibited. Therefore, he wouldn't be liable for death for that relationship. But if I hold that the Jewish people before the Torah was given have the law of a Gentile, then technically the fact that the Egyptian man was hitting a Jewish man is not liable for death because it is like a Egyptian man hitting a Gentile because the Jewish people before the Torah was given have the law of Gentiles. But the fact that he had relations with Dawson's concubine which by Gentile law this is considered a wife, then this Egyptian committed adultery, then he'll be liable for death, then he'll be liable for death for the fact that he committed adultery. Comes out, says the Panam Yafas, that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't sure which way we judge, but no matter which way he turned, he eventually decided to kill the Egyptian. And the Panam Yafas says that this is the meaning of the verse. Vaifen koi vekoi, he turned here, he saw what he did in the house, meaning he saw that he had relations with Dawson's concubine. Bekoi, and he saw he's doing the field that is hitting him, therefore, Vayaches Amitri, and he killed the Egyptian. Because either way, since he did both crimes, he's liable for death, both in the laws of the Jewish man, and also in the laws of a Gentile, therefore Moshe Rabbeinu decided to kill him. I want to bring a proof for the Ponim Yafas of what the Medrash brings down that we mentioned earlier. The Medrash brings down that what he did at home, and he saw what's going to happen to him on the field. Omar, he says, that he is definitely liable for death. That it says, that anybody who hits a man should die. And not only that, because he had relations with the wife of Dawson. And therefore he is liable for death. And this is what it's meant. turned here and there. So we see clearly that Moshe Rabbeinu killed him 
for both reasons, meaning one reason by itself would not be enough for Moshe Rabbeinu to kill the Egyptian because for one reason I could judge that he's a Ben Noach or a Israelite, but both reasons together, the fact that he committed adultery and he hit the Jewish person, then definitely causes him to die. And therefore the Madrash brings both reasons and a verse for both reasons why he should be liable for death, which implies that we require to have two reasons for him to die, because if one by itself would not be enough. And Hashem's work should help that now that we start Sefer Agula, the book of redemption according to the Ramban, we should merit to have a full redemption. Moshiach should come, the Beis Amigdash rebuilt. Bimheira Bayomeno Amen.